If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat up old running shoes, Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now, go. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Alan Davis, you are listening to the Tuesday Club. This is the Arsenal podcast, and I've got Keith Dover with me this evening. How are you, Keith? I'm fine, apart from the fact I've been self-isolating for now eight days, and I'm starting to go slowly mad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> starting. Uh, Keith, <laughs> Keith, has, uh, Keith has been supporting Arsenal since 1887. Yeah, it feels like it. <laughs> <laughs> Is this the first uh, isolation period you've had in your lengthy support? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've had a few Mugabe lockdowns in my time. I didn't think it'd come real. another one coming on. And uh, Oliver Scott is here. Good evening, Oliver. Hi, hello, Alan. Good evening. How are you? I'm very well. You're down in uh, down in Rye, down in the absolutely, mm. absolutely, in a very rainy Rye, and uh, you know that even though. Um, and a very early evening tonight, you know, for all for those, uh, you know, the extra hour in bed, you can be grateful to those Scottish school children at this time of year, can't you? <laughs> yeah. you, can't, you can't be trotting can off, can't be trotting off to their primary schools in, in Inverness with the sun down at 10 in the morning, whatever it is. But I'm not um, sure what time Arsenal thought the kickoff was for the Leicester game, but yeah. something was wrong. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we'll discuss that later and we'll discuss uh, uh, Triumph in Vienna a bit later on. But this podcast listener affords us the opportunity to listen to the second part of an interview I was fortunate enough to have with uh, Arsene Wenger to promote his book, um, My Life in Red and White. So uh, we we left off. He'd just been approached by Arsenal to be the manager and he was going to come to London. So... Uh, Enjoy listening to this. It's about half an hour of it, and then we will return uh, after that. It's a great intro. Just, just play it. <laughs> it was a fantastic moment for Arsenal. Rioch had done well. He Rioch had a an attacking vision of football. He signed Dennis Bergkamp. But didn't quite wasn't quite the fit for Arsenal, but he left you a wonderful player, didn't he, in Dennis Bergkamp? He left me a wonderful, a super wonderful player. And uh, I think I, uh, I I was grateful for that, you know, and I don't know he wasn't good. I just think uh, the opportunity was there for me, so I grabbed it. He grabbed and, uh, it. He also left you a, a wonderful assistant in Pat Rice. <laughs> yes. 
And I believe, you know, it is important when you go somewhere uh, to different cultures that you have an assistant who knows uh, the values of the club, the traditions of the club. And uh, but with Pat Rice, I got not only that, I got more than that. You know, I got a guy with a great football knowledge, a huge fighter as well, and a guy who didn't want to project himself. What is very important as well when you're an assistant, that uh, uh, there is no struggle for that, you know, no fight for that. And uh, I think uh, uh, Pat Rice is uh, hugely intelligent and he, he did understand that. And when you arrived, uh, you took over on October the 1st, 96. Rio got brought in three at the back. And we'd had for years and years at Arsenal so much success with the back four and David Seaman and before that John Lukic. And now suddenly there was a three at the back. Sometimes he'd have Keown as a defensive midfielder. It felt like he was trying to find a way to get Bergkamp playing number 10. We had Hartson and Wright. We had Merson and Platt. We had good players, but perhaps not the... We couldn't get the balance of the team right. But you kept playing with three at the back, didn't you, for that whole of that first season? Until the end of the season, yes, because I came on the 1st of October. I didn't want to disturb... Uh... Uh, too much the system, you know, and I thought, let's see how uh, how that will work. They knew perfectly the system, you know, and it accommodated Steve Bold, Martin Keown, and uh, Tony Adams. And on the flanks, we had Winterburn and uh, Dixon. Mm -hmm. So these five, you could go to war with them, you know. Yes. And, uh, but uh, I came to the conclusion that if I wanted to win the league, I had to play with four. And at the end of the season, I decided, uh, it was clear in my mind since, since February or March that uh, we will not uh, beat Man United or Liverpool if we continue to play with the five. Because there were more, all the back five were more defensive-minded players than offensive-minded players, you know. Mm -hmm. In a system like that, you need the wing-backs who are super offensive. But Nigel Winterburn and Lee Dixon were very clever players and very good players, but more defensive. Uh, their strength was more defensive. So I thought, if you want to win the league, we have to move to a four. That's very interesting. You also brought in, before you came, uh, Patrick Vieira appeared. Yes. And uh, he made his debut against Sheffield Wednesday. Um, we're all season ticket holders here at the Tuesday Club. We all remember that debut so well. He came off the bench and immediately, apparently, was a magnificent midfield player who would receive the ball in any circumstances, marked by one, marked by two. Mm -hmm. He was able to turn, knock the ball past someone, two strides and he was gone. Suddenly we were able to play out from the back and through midfield in a way that we'd never seen before. Did, could, did, did you anticipate that he would have the impact that he had immediately? I, I must say he's one of the few players who I saw the first time play with Cannes against Monaco. I was a coach in Monaco. Straight away, I said, this guy will be a great player, you know. And uh, I must say, uh, when I see the midfielders today, what I liked what you said about is that Patrick was one of his midfielders in any position turned the game forward, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, you don't find uh, how many times, even last night, I watched Germany, Switzerland, 
how many times did the midfielder play back to a defender when he could have turned the game forward? Oh, it's the thing we hate the most. It's the thing we spend more time yelling forwards than anything else. Exactly. And uh, Patrick, not only had he that quality, he turned the game forward, even with, with two guys on his back. Because I remember uh, sometimes, you know, we had uh, Martin Kieran had the ball and uh, uh, he wanted, uh, he turned Patrick down to give him the ball. Mm-hmm. And Patrick said, why don't you give me the ball? <laughs> He said, but you marked. Don't care about that. I will do it. Give me the ball. No matter if I have one or two players with me, give me the ball, you know. And uh, so, first of all, he wanted always the ball. Secondly, he didn't play back. He played forward. He played forward. And he never, ever hid. He never took up a position on the pitch where he looked like he was available, but in reality, you couldn't get the ball to him. Sometimes you see (laughs) midfield players... Hiding whilst hiding, with their arm in the air, yeah, 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 but yeah, hiding. But the hiding, you know that, you know, uh, and uh, you know the, the speed of availability of a midfielder is vital. And uh, sometimes they hide a little bit. They get, uh, they are all, they all want the ball when you tune it up. Another player, again, we mentioned him earlier. The player who we we sit on the on the touchline on the west side. If there's a throw in on our side, the player who was always available as if by magic was Fabregas, every yes. time he was in space. Always. It was incredible. We called him God's chess piece, but it was as if he would be moved into space by God. It, it, it is unbelievable, yes, and he had that straight away, you know. He had that straight away. Yeah. But we'll, we'll get to him. Vieira to Bergkamp was the most common pass between one player and another in the entire Premier League in the 97-98 season. No one player passed to another more than Vieira passed to Bergkamp. You created a pathway through the team by utilising Vieira and by finding Bergkamp no, in that I, season. I would say uh, that's where, you know, football is less robotic than that, you know. A team, a team goes naturally through its strong points. The way of a game goes natural to its strong point. So if the player like Patrick Villar sees that Dennis Bergkamp is it's a timing of uh, being available that counts. And uh, so when Dennis had that intelligence to be available when uh, he, he uh, needed to be, and Patrick could see forward. So that's why I believe uh, they found each other so well. The good players, you know, sometimes when I brought Pires in, for example, mm-hmm. I give you, then uh, I play a five-a-side. Then I put T- Pires, for example, in the team of Burkamp. You have four teams of five players, you know. Mm-hmm. You, you put T- Pires in the team of Burkamp. After 10 minutes, they played like they've played for life with each other, you know. Mm-hmm. And you feel straight away, we bought a good player. <laughs> because the yes. good player, if a good player gives a ball to a good player, <laughs> not to a bad player. The same thing happened with um, with Fabregas when he first came and he was 17. He and Bergkamp started playing together like almost like father and son. Exactly, exactly. The good player finds each other. Now you put into that team, in 98, you put in Mark Overmars. We had a long history at Arsenal of right-footed left-wingers. Had some wonderful players, George Limpar and George Armstrong and Brian Marwood just before. 
And now and then this wonderful Dutch winger, this absolute flying Dutchman, plus the speed of Anelka and, and Ian Wright too. It was quite a fast moving dynamic team. Not not so much a possession team, but a team that was explosive. Yes. I wanted always explosive teams. And uh, I thought that Marco Voma said as well, the timing of the movement of the ball, you know. Today, uh, you develop more players who go, go bold, get bold to feet. And our evolution after was more uh, bold to feet. But uh, Marco Voma was a guy, on the first three yards, it's like you threw him away. Mm-hmm. Couldn't stop him. Suddenly he was five meters in front of everybody. He didn't know why, but he was like you throw him uh, forward. And uh, but uh, when uh, you had players like Petit, could give left-footed passes over the top. Yes. And uh, Vieira, Burkamp, of course. And uh, I agree with you. We were speedy. We had Anelka, who was very very quick, fast. Very, very fast. fast. We had Overmars, who was very fast. And then you had uh, people uh, who had the fast look, quick vision, you know. But there's something about those strikers. Henri was the same. They have this knack of catching the eye of the midfielder. So the midfielder sees them. They don't necessarily need to scream for the ball, but they catch the eye. They make sure the midfielder's seen them. And then they almost trigger the pass. They make the midfielder play the pass. Yes, because at the end of the day... uh, Football to make it as simple as possible, you know, you have a quarterback and a runner. And uh, you need one who can give the ball and one who can uh, run for the ball and uh, who can finish uh, what you started. And uh, once you have that and uh, you do that in an intelligent way, it's very difficult to stop. Now, it's well known uh, that you changed the training. You brought more stretching in. You knew you had older players. You wanted to prolong them and you changed their diet. They didn't get their Mars bars anymore. And uh, <laughs> and I remember playing, we played Everton in the last game, that 98 season. We won 4-0. And towards the end of the game, you threw Steve Bold on as a substitute in central midfield. Uh, it was really uh, something we'd never seen before, was Steve Bold patrolling the centre of midfield and from that position played one of the best through balls that we ever saw at Highbury. Yes. For Tony Adams. Did you find that moment as, as joyful and as almost hilarious as we did? Yeah, I found it both, you know. <laughs> I, I, I think it, it's a... I always say that was for me the most satisfying win at Arsenal because it's my first win and I could convince people that I can win a championship. But as well, it was a sunny day in May. Uh, you crowned the uh, champion, and uh, it is Steve Bold, the, the, the tradition, but tradition scored the goal. You know, Bold mm-hmm. gives to Adams, and Adams scores the goal. So it was something fantastic, and uh, it was maybe uh, one of the best moments of my career at the club. A really amazing moment. And Bold suddenly turned into. Glenn Hoddle and yeah, and Adams went through. Then we go to Wembley, we win the final. I remember the huge anxiety that day, the idea that we could win the double again. We'd won it so many years before I was a fan. But a really amazing afternoon at Wembley and a fantastic start for you. So then we go to 98-99 mm-hmm. and you talk about in the book 
going being with David Dean and with one of David's daughters, Sasha, when you're doing a deal to sell Ian Wright to West Ham. Yes. And Sasha, when she realised what was happening, she, she tears came to her eyes. Yes. Um, Wrighty was greatly loved. Um, and then after that, he we was struggled. The, uh, Ian Wright was the idol of Sasha. Mm-hmm. And uh, by coincidence, she was there because we met the directors of uh, West Ham. Ian Wright was at the table, so she was very happy at the start of a, of a lunch because her, her adored player was having lunch with us. And slowly she realizes that, uh, in fact, we are here to sell Ian Wright, you know. And he was gone. It was a shock to, to many of us that you took that decision. I always wondered if you could have persuaded Wrighty to, to be a support striker, come off the bench, start less games. Did you think it was impossible to persuade him impossible. to do that? And... Impossible. Ian Wright is a, a next traverse who had problems to deal with frustration. And the fact that I didn't play him in the FA Cup finally never forgiven me, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he was determined to leave because he was uh, he was not happy that first of all uh, uh, from a superstar at the club suddenly he was not a regular player anymore. It's difficult to swallow that. And uh, and uh, after I thought I would have loved him to stay if he had accepted this role, because he he was important in the team as well, you know. Everybody loved Ian Wright. We loved him, but also we needed him that season because the players that we had, Cabadiawara, Christopher Ray, Luis Boamorte, they were young players, not really familiar so much with the Premier League, and we just couldn't get the goals to back up. Yeah. Anelka, really, Carnu came later. And you look at those early draws in that season, we found ourselves at the end of the season neck and neck with Manchester United when, frustratingly, we might have been ahead. Were you trying to get another striker? I remember at the time Robbie Fowler I Fowl tried, and that's linked. why I brought Kaba Diawara in. But Diawara, I remember the game, the decisive game where we lost the championship was at Leeds, you know. Mm-hmm. He had clear-cut chances that he missed. And uh, uh, if you had a near and right there, yes, maybe he would have scored. But Kaba Diawara scored goals in France and uh, uh, Christopher Ray scored sometimes goals but were not completely to the level of uh, Ian Wright, of course. Yeah, it's very difficult. We drew 12 games. Uh, we, uh, one of my colleagues on the Tuesday Club still hasn't forgiven Nelson Vivas for not marking Jimmy Floyd. Yeah, but uh, I haven't forgiven Haaland for kicking Winterburn on the head, you know. Mm-hmm. It's quite uh, a tough, uh, tough game up there. Tough game up there, and uh, uh, it's true that I had to bring Nelson Vivas on, and Hasselbank scored on the far post after. So it was due to an injury to Winterburn for a, a nasty foul. Very nasty foul. That really hurt then that season. A really, really painful, a mm. painful semi-final, and United go on and win everything, and the feeling remained at Arsenal. That was our double there. It was taken from us somehow, and. Uh, that is uh, the penalty of uh, Dennis Bergkamp, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And after that, he refused always to take the penalties. Never, never took another pen. Never took another pen. And then the following season, we won't dwell on these painful moments. It's very noticeable in your book that 
you were, we played so many cup finals when you were the manager. You seem to every year you seem to take us to a final. A final was quite a rare thing for when I was growing up. Um, and some of them went wrong. Some of them just didn't go the way we wanted them to. Almost always by tiny margins. Uh, we played Galatasaray, lost on penalties. Excruciating evening where we had a chance from two yards out that Keown kicked straight up in the air. Then we had to go down their end, which was like a war zone, to take the penalties. Exactly. <laughs> hit the bar, and the referee hit the post. was not clear on that. Did you feel that that was... I mean, really, the other end was a much more benign environment, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, but they said it's for security reasons we had to go up there. That seems extraordinary. But they, found, uh, they, they said that people could revolt if you don't go on their side. Oh, really? And that had been... Uh, after, we that, in... after that final, the rule has been changed. Is that right? Yeah. They thought the if we don't have it... The rule has been changed because after you take the toss, you know? Mm-hmm to decide where you take the penalties. But the referee thought, if we don't have it at their end, they might riot. So we have yeah. to have it at their end. Yes. And they'd been travelling in Copenhagen. We managed to avoid it, my friends and I. We found a pizzeria and we had a very nice evening. But I remember seeing David Dean outside our hotel and there'd been an incident with a knife and he'd been to hospital with a fan. It was quite a, a difficult experience all around Copenhagen, 2000. Mm. I can understand perhaps why you left it out of the book. I left it out of the book, yes, because of, I cannot talk about everything, you know. No, of course. Let's move on. The following year, we had more disappointment. We lost to Liverpool in the cup final. I just want to ask you one question about that final. When Henri is through and Stefan Honcho's on the goal line mm. and he tries to get the ball between Honcho and the near post, he goes for a nearly impossible finish. He achieves it, but Honcho is a reflex, really, knocks it away with his elbow like a goalkeeper. The, the referee seems to think the ball's hit the post and gives a goal kick. VAR gives us a red card and a penalty. Should Henri have squared to Wiltor? Certainly, because uh, you know it's always the same. If you uh, don't score, you're wrong. So mm -hmm. he, had the, he had a solution available that was certainly more secure and that's what he should have done. I felt like when I see Henri's face after that moment, he's not really appealing for the penalty. He's got a look on his face. He was a young man still then that tells you that he knows he's in the wrong, that he should have passed to his friend. Yes, yeah, certainly, because Thierry Henry knew everything what was going on on a football pitch, you know. Mm -hmm. Now, the following year, uh, that summer after that disappointment, you pulled off the great transfer coup of our time. You persuaded Sol Campbell to leave Spurs and Arsenal had all these ageing centre-backs, club legends, one and all, but we needed somebody young and strong to come in and take over at the back. You put Sol Campbell in there. We also had uh, Robert Perez, who'd had a difficult first season, but it was clearly immensely talented, if a little bit slight and perhaps vulnerable. to. He learned how to win free kicks rather than injuries, didn't he? Yeah. And that team was extraordinary. Was that? Do you think that was the best team in terms of a, just a one-off game? Yes, I would say yes. If you think today, uh, you had a good player in every single position. You know. Yes. And that's where, where you achieve uh, the quality. And uh, overall, I would say uh, we had the, we had the physical quality. 
we had the technical quality, we had the creativity, we had a good mixture of all the needed qualities you have you need in a team. They were a fantastic team. Most of them stayed around for another season or two and uh, became went on to become the Invincibles. Do you, do you lie awake at night remembering the Invincibles? I uh, I look at it and I think uh, when you go through such a golden period, you know, where you don't lose for one and a half years, a Premier League game, it's difficult to imagine now. Mm -hmm. uh, the only regret I have is uh, I didn't enjoy it enough, you know. I enjoyed it at the time, but I still think today I should have enjoyed it even more because suddenly the fear to lose disappears. And you just go to the game and think, if we turn up, we will win the game. And uh, that's why uh, I uh, thought that Invincible year was something, with 49 games basically as a whole, was something amazing because you wonder, why am I paid to do this job? Because it's so easy and, uh, and your team owns your team owns the way you want to play. They, uh, they uh, try for perfection. They uh, refuse to be average. They uh, want excellence. They're demanding with each other, you know. And uh, it's, it, it's an amazing period of my life. Things began to change, I think, in 2005. Football began to change. 4-4-2, which had been Arsenal's way and Manchester United's way, went a bit out of fashion. And lots of teams in the league at that time were playing five in midfield. It felt that even Patrick Vieira, with all his power, could get swamped in midfield. Mm. And the fashion began to, in, in the Champions League, to play a more short-passing possession game. Did you really make a conscious decision to move away from the real powerhouse midfield of Parla, Vieira, Edu, to a more technical... Not conscious, no. Player? I just looked for good midfielders. And after, when I took Fabregas uh, to play in a 4-4-2 central defensively midfield, he was not his strength, you know. Mm -hmm. So I had to put uh, one more midfielder in to give him a chance to survive. Uh, and... Uh, that's why uh, when you played in the Champions League, it's true what you say, is that uh, the teams went, you, you had the feeling that if you didn't dominate the midfield, you had no chance in the Champions League. And mm -hmm. uh, I went then for one more midfielder. Uh, because uh, before you had the powerhouses like uh, uh, Vieira, Petit, you know, they could do the defensive job after, after when you have Fabregas. We needed a bit to strengthen a bit uh, the midfield. So I want to fast forward you to uh, the San Siro in 2008 when Arsenal won 2-0. Uh, AC Milan were the reigning European champions. I don't think at that time that any English team had won away at AC Milan. No. Uh, I was in the away end, high up in the away end, behind Perspex screen. Um, at the end of that game, Arsenal won 2-0. The Milan fans that remained gave Arsenal a standing ovation. It was a standing ovation mm. all around the ground. All the player, the fans in front of us who'd been giving us all kinds of abuse throughout the game turned and applauded us. It was a really remarkable performance. Um, Diaby played on the left because Rosicki had been injured. We had Alexander Hleb, who was a brilliant technician. 
Did you think that team could have been something really special? I think yes. We had. Uh, I said that uh, in my book as well. You know, Arsenal uh, today, the dominance of uh, the Arsenal period is uh, uh, until 2006 in the mind of people. But after we played some fantastic football, and uh, we couldn't finish a job sometimes in Europe and after. Uh, in the league as well, because we finished, I think, two times second after that. And uh, with less resources, we still played, I think, football with top quality. And we had top quality games in Europe as well. We won in Madrid uh, in 2006, but after we won in Milan, uh, against uh, AC Milan, against Inter Milan. We had some fantastic wins, but uh, it's not in the memories anymore. Mm. because it's not crowned by titles. Well, that game is certainly in my memory. Also in my memory from 2008 were the terrible injuries that we had. We lost Van Persie and we lost Rosicki in January and then we lost Eduardo. Um, do you think you should have signed Anelka from Bolton? Maybe he wanted to come back. Maybe it was a mistake. I, I, I wanted always to give a signal to the players but once you leave the club, there's no way back. Mm -hmm. Because I felt that uh, they would then have an hesitation to leave, you know. So I didn't give them the feeling, okay, I go somewhere else. If I do, it doesn't work, I come back. And uh, so that's why I didn't do it. And uh, overall, maybe I should have done it. And uh, Nicholas uh, still scored 125 games in the Premier League, I think, something like that, you know. Mm. So. Uh, it could have helped us. And yeah, you had great, as you say, great matches. We beat Barcelona in 2011. We had disappointments in some games. But, but let's finish up our same by talking about those last few years when you signed Meza Erzor and Alexis Sanchez. And we, we had the chance to win the league, didn't we, in 2016? Perhaps we should yeah. have done. We won those FA Cups. Did it give you more pleasure in a way to return to winning ways, to return to trophies than it had at the beginning? It had been a long, hard road paying back the stadium. Yes. Uh, I think uh, people after a while, they say, OK, you're in the top four, but uh, you don't win the European Cup and you don't win trophies anymore. So I thought uh, the, the fact that you could come back and to win the FA Cup 14, 15, 17, you know, and... Uh, we had good teams and uh, we could have won the championship in 2016. We finished second in the league. Personally, I think uh, that year Tottenham had a good opportunity to win the league. They did and it was great that they didn't. Um, yes. There was one game, I'll say, in that year. At the end of 2015, we had more points than anyone else in the calendar year. We beat Manchester City. We were the cup holders. We had Urza, we had Sanchez, we had a terrific team. And then we lost 4-0 to Southampton on Boxing Day. Yeah. And, and we had a capacity in those days for a heavy defeat, for the wind to blow the wrong way. What was it? Why, why did that happen? We were more vulnerable defensively, you know. I remember that day, Murtasaka had a bad day. And uh, we realised today that Southampton had a good team. <laughs> <laughs> the guy who killed us on the day was Mane. Right. He'd have been a good signing. He could have been a good signing. You know, we should have signed him when he was in Mets, mm -hmm. when he played the Olympic Games uh, with Senegal in London. 
that's why we should have signed him. And uh, that's why I think uh, they had Lalana, they had Mane, they had, they had fantastic players, uh, Southampton. And uh, I think we had a good win on the 23rd of uh, December at home in a difficult game. Yeah, Man City. Man City, and we went to Southampton and we collapsed because we're physically a bit jaded, maybe, and as well, uh, uh, Wojciech, I think, played. Chesney had a bad day on the day we conceded some bad goals. Mm. I won't go, I don't want to finish for, for you on a painful, <laughs> on a painful memory. Well, still, you know, it's amazing when uh, I talk about it, the pain comes out again and yeah. the memories come out up again. They really do. And you talked to the, right at the beginning about your father keeping his pain and his secrets right inside mm -hmm. and the feeling that the people around you when you were a boy kept their pain inside. And there's a feeling I have with you that that is a habit that you've carried your whole life. Yes, it's true. You don't let it out in your book. I feel bad. Bring it to you now. No <laughs> Let's problem, finish no on problem. that amazing final when uh, Alexis Sanchez was wonderful against... Chelsea, was that a real joy to see, to win that match? In that, that was fantastic, one? because let's not forget that uh, uh, we played Man City in the semi-final. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Man City was a great side, you know, we're better than today. And we played Chelsea, we were champions. And once a team has won the championship, they go in the cup final. Yeah, they, they were going for the to, double. They're going for the double. It's very difficult to stop, you know. And... Uh, the fact for me, it's one of the great victories of Arsenal during my stay. And uh, it, it was a bit... Football is sometimes special, you because you think it is... Uh, on the day, we had all the problems at the back. Mertesacker had not played one game That's right. in the whole season. He played That's one right. game. It was a final of a cup yeah. against the best team in the country. It was extraordinary against Costa. And... and uh, it was extraordinary, you know, and we had Holding, I think, as well played. Yeah, and, just uh, a boy. And uh, so that that was uh, absolutely fantastic. It was a fantastic day. One of my happiest days at the club. It was a great day. One of many FA Cup wins. Arsenal, I think I, I would love to sit here um, and talk to you all day long about Arsenal and there are so many other things. Yeah, but, I, I um, think you know more about Arsenal than I do. I think, I, well, I'm, I'm an obsessive about an Arsenal's concern. Um, but the contribution that you made, the work, the hard, hard work for so many years that you put into our club um, is hugely appreciated. Um, never, never underestimate our gratitude. Uh, and, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much. All the success for the season. Good luck with your book, which I think is going to be a big seller. I don't know, but I just wanted to give an honest, uh, short experience of my uh, special period of my life. Well, you've certainly achieved that. And good luck with your continued work with FIFA. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. So that was, uh, that was Arsene. And it was, I can tell you it was a real... Uh, it was a real uh, thrill for me uh, to to spend that time listening to him. It's, uh, it was uh, and and great to be nostalgic about all things Arsenal. Well, well, you know, obviously, you know, you've been a friend for years, but there were some lovely punch the air moments when 
he agreed with you when you'd say so. And he'd go, you're absolutely correct. And I'm done. I yeah. was listening to him. I'm punching out. I'm great. <laughs> this is, oh, this imagine, imagine we got... No, no, you're talking out of your ass, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that might have been more interesting, eh? Uh, Alan, you're just talking bollocks. So no, you, have no, you have no understanding of football whatsoever. In fact, I don't know why you're even supporting my club. Yeah. Right, These are many of the exact phrases I imagine Arsene Wenger used over the years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now we've moved immediately away from the erudition of the great Frenchman. Men to me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I but, think he. I think he really liked God's chess piece. There was a. Yeah. Little, there was a wry little chuckle there. Yeah. Could you see that when you? Because I know you were zooming him in his uh, in in his totteridge HQ or wherever he is nowadays. <laughs> yes, I did. I did see. Uh, well, he, some... he really loved uh, talking about Sesk. You could tell that he really. I mean, I couldn't bring myself to ask him, why didn't you re-sign him then? But I mean, that was, <laughs> yeah. uh, I know that every other Tom, Dick and Harry has had the good fortune to talk to him recently has been asking him that, and we know what the answer is. Mm. But there were some very interesting things that came out. I mean, like the, when he said about Pat Rice, he said, I like mm. uh, the fact he didn't project himself. Well, I'm thinking, was that you just didn't want a, uh, an assistant that was too vocal? You, you wanted someone strong, but not someone who's going to count... Can't demand anything you say, you know. So that was, well, that's that was right. Well, yeah, uh, that's what that will make. That's what makes a great number two, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. But it's interesting because he was sort of saying, "Oh, he knows the culture, but he also knows his place," wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's all the words, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And but he said he was intelligent. You know, it's an inte- it's the emotional intelligence, isn't it? To 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 be, you know, I need I need to be here to provide that continuity and and also, you know, just to give him loads and loads of support, but. Yeah, not to not to kind of um, you know go go too far in any, in any other direction. And it was it was fascinating in the first the first part of the um, interview you played um, you did last week on the podcast where he was talking about you know literally doing everything, literally every goalkeeper, coach, fitness coach, driving the team bus, cutting up the oranges, and <laughs> yes. uh, yeah, he'd obviously he'd obviously had sick of that. So yeah, in fact, it's interesting in the book he mentions Pat Rice so when when they came to play Tottenham. And he says Pat, Pat Rice wanted to pick all the fighters. He wanted to pack the, <laughs> pack the team with people who were going to be up for the scrap. Yeah. But Wenger, Wenger pointed out that it was Henri and Pires and all the great technical players who who won those games mm-hmm. for Arsenal. Yeah. And, so, and uh, it was wouldn't be right to sacrifice those players in those fixtures, particularly as most of the time when we were playing Tottenham, we were just superior. <laughs> oh, <very laughs> so. Anyway... I, I kind of got to, I spent so much time talking to him about his time in France, um, which I found so interested. And I was really clock watching, thinking, I've now got 18 minutes to get through the entire 22 years <laughs> at Arsenal. <laughs> and, 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 uh, and I haven't yet asked him about his coaching philosophy or anything else. And then, luckily for me, uh, the door to his office was locked. And the uh, the PR person from the publisher couldn't get in to end the interview. Oh, that and, was um, good. <laughs> and had to go and uh, get hold of Jay, who was recording, uh, uh, rising star producer, <laughs> who then sent me a message saying, "You've got to wrap it up." But we got an extra fifteen minutes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> an extra fifteen minutes with us then oh, to wow. kind of race through. Well, he uh, which seemed I was to be enjoying about. the interview. Oh, well, he I, was I mean, enjoying he does. It. He likes talking about football, oh, doesn't he? And, it, and yeah. uh, it, it was really... I'd like to be able to hear 
him talking about that final against Chelsea at the end there yeah. has obviously meant a lot. I, to I him. tell you what, there were some moments though that one right. Let's, I'm going to go straight to the Galatasaray thing. Right, I'm claiming that UEFA Cup back. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's ours. I want UEFA to change that. That's what's the start. That was a scandal, wasn't it? They Absolutely. were too scared not it was to about take the penalties. The penalties at their end. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Jesus. their end was like an absolute war zone down there, mm. wasn't it? Really? Yeah. Well, I remember it well, just looking down and thinking, I wouldn't want to walk down there. I might take the penalty. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's what gets me. It's like UEFA saying, well, we'll take a chance on some Arsenal players getting killed, lobbed, mm. you know, stuff lobbed at them. Rather than taking it down the other end, well, it'll be peace and harmony. But that lot might start one of climbing over the fences. We, you we know? might have done a little bit of booing, mightn't we? Mm. A bit of booing. <laughs> Boo. Boo. I hope you miss. <laughs> <laughs> and and then the, this this thing really did get me. Yeah. Ian Wright. So he's asked to stay, but he goes, "No, I want to go to West Ham." Now he goes to West Ham. He plays twenty two games. He scores nine goals for West Ham. Yeah. He could have played, stayed with us. Yeah. He would have easily played 22 games. Possibly the nine goals, he would have scored. I would have said he would have scored more than nine oh, goals. Mate, and maybe if, those goals I think if we'd had righty, I think we would have won the double. Exactly. Yeah. So what was Ian Wright's thinking? Do you think he's a stay at the Arsenal? But I'm didn't you think a... it was interesting what Wenger said was that Wright was someone who struggled to manage his frustration? Yeah, yes. yeah really interesting. Really <laughs> well, that interesting. was the next... Yeah, in other words, I can't be played second fiddle. And he's just, are you mad? Do you remember him playing with Anelka there? And he used to really bollock Anelka, <laughs> shout at him all the time. I can remember Lee Dixon having a testimonial at Highbury against Real Madrid. It was quite a fun evening. Roberto Carlos was playing. And Dixon at one point uh, challenged Carlos and won the ball and then signalled to the crowd that Roberto Carlos was in his pocket. I mean, that was good fun. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and, but Wrighty came on as a sub, and, and his entrance onto the field, he ran down from the steps through the two little goldfish bowls at Highbury and out onto the pitch, you know, as if it was, at last, here is the main attraction. <laughs> Ian Wright. You thought, no, this is Dicko's testimonial. It's supposed to be his night. Yeah. yeah. But that, the idea that he would play second fiddle and not get on and... But, mm. he, but you know, second fiddle, I mean, he could have played in a cup final. He could have been won a Premier League medal. I mean, he would have... We drew 12 games. Yeah. You're not telling won. me that if you'd thrown Wrighty on or even if he'd started a few of them, he, he wouldn't was, have got a goal somewhere. Of course no, he would have done. Of course done. he would have done. He would, he would have won a clutch more He medals. scored the winning goal for West Ham on the opening day of the season. I think he had some injury problems during the season and he yeah. wasn't the player he once was. But that's why you go to be in the backup striker, mm. playing half the matches, half the minutes. Yeah. And help Anelka. Get it in your head. You can help Anelka. He can learn from you. But that isn't, that wasn't right either. What right it was, as, as Wenger said, he had been the superstar. Even at yeah. the beginning of that season, he broke the scoring record, didn't he? Beginning of the yeah, double yeah, season. Yeah. 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 It, 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 it was crazy. It was crazy. I mean, and, you know, talking about loyalty bonuses, well, this is when the loyalty bonus should kick in when you go, we want you to stay now, mate. Now, that's just why we want you... Uh, yeah. Are you referring to a certain £8 million loyalty bonus the club might have paid recently, Keith? Oh, <laughs> do me one. When I read oh, that, I oh. just... You sent a very abrupt text, it's fair to say. Oh, I just really... I mean, 
How do they get? How do even the agents say we want a loyalty bonus? Well, what does lo- loyalty mean? I know what loyalty means. It means he, has, he hasn't s- left. But I have to say, I mean, we were going to talk about this later on. We've just uh, you, we recorded this listener about uh, half an hour or so, uh, or a little more since uh, we left. The players left the field at the Emirates, having lost one 0 at home to Leicester. Mm. And uh, I don't know if it, I don't know about you, but Meza Erzl came to mind yeah. a yes. few times say... in that game. I said, we need someone who can un- unlock this defence. I couldn't really understand. I kind of got it, this thing with Granite Jacker where he pulls him into a back three. He's picking the ball up so the wing backs can go right up the pitch and yeah. Tierney and Bellerin playing as wingers, really. But yeah, yeah, yeah. it did mean, as far as I could see, it meant that Jacker was on the ball a lot mm-hmm. and Party and Ceballos were on the ball very little. In fact, Party pretty much disappeared second half and so did yeah, Ceballos. Yeah. And yeah. then when he brings, when Brendan Rodgers executes the game plan, it's got half hour to go. Brings mm. Ardi on, then he brings Under on, then Turkish winger they've just signed, who by all accounts is a very good player. And he yeah, just yeah. goes on to Xhaka and runs in behind Xhaka. He just sells yeah. him, pull, comes short and goes behind. A simple move. Xhaka's not a defender. He shouldn't be in that position where he could get exposed like that. So Miriam has to come over and Vardy's unmarked. You thought they've undone us. Yeah. It's a beautiful pass by Tielemans. Where is the man? You know, he was talking, uh, Arsene, in the interview about last week about Platini's vision and he was talking mm. about Cesc Fabregas's vision, the ability to pull something out of the bag that's a surprise. Mm. That's what Ozil has got. Yeah. Mm. We, had that, we didn't have that tonight. We just didn't no. have it. We didn't, no. you know, we've lost two games back-to-back, 1-0. Where's the player? Once Saka got kicked and, and went off, Bukayo Saka... Mm. Lacazette had a pretty poor game, I felt. Well, he yeah, missed an opportunity he in the first half, and you think, well, that's the difference between Lacazette and Vardy. Vardy gets a chance on heading a goal, he scores. Mm. Uh, Lacazette apparently had a similar one. I was listening on the radio, and. Well, Tierney fired it across. He hit it quite hard, that cross. I don't think he yeah, needed to hard. hit it quite so hard. But really, if Lacazette just got in the way of it, it would have gone off him and in the net, you know. Yeah. Right. So. But it just the ball doesn't stick. It gives free kicks. Why can't we were just absolutely swamped by eleven defenders? Yeah, they tied up the game. Thought Arsenal might get tired. Gaps <laughs> might appear at the end, and we might pinch it one nil. It was a yeah, little yeah, well, and it worked. And so, and, it, so it was. Yeah, and their substitutions paid off. Ours didn't. I just thought there was a lack of urgency. The the free kicks uh, corners were dreadful. Which yeah. I think is uh, is criminal in this day and age for professional footballers to take a poor corner on a free well, the free kick. Well, the annoying thing was we took one good corner, which Lacazette, the best thing he did in the game, flicked on at the near post. But because we had two men standing on the goalkeeper, it was ruled out for offside. Yeah, never seen anyone be offside from a corner. From a from corner, a corner yeah. the yeah. old Arsenal way. Was you flick the ball on at the near post and everyone's charging in? Do you remember Tony Adams charging in and ending up in the back of the net with the ball, mm. throwing mm. himself to get to that flick on? But now they the tactic is to crowd the goalkeeper, and so there's Granite Jack is standing offside in front of the goalkeeper, and the goals are all down. It's just absolutely infuriating. Mm. 
I think that, I mean, going back to the Wenger thing, it was, it, it was interesting when he, he used the word, well, I don't know if you did, Alan, or he did, but he agreed, you know, it was explosive. You know, the, the team, you, you need, you need those explosive, the team to be explosive or have that ability to kind of combust and, and do something. And, and, I mean, the second half there was there was no there was no combustion. <laughs> you no. know, there was the, the, kindling, the, the kindling was damp, like as damp as it's out here. And and um, yeah, it's just so pedestrian, so predictable. It's just painful to watch. And and I hate to say it, but it reminds me almost of like the the really awful sort of middle, I guess middle period of the Emery years, where you know you'd go to the football and just it would just be so boring. It just it was just dull, 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 predictable, predictable, predictable until the only thing that was really predictable, which was that Vardy would score on 80 minutes. Yeah, yeah. it really was. Uh, too yeah. many, there's a lack of ambition in the passing, but also at times, if you can't pick your way through, you're going to have to launch it in the corners and go and fight for a ball and try and win a throw-in or a free kick down their end. Mm. Just passing it sideways and backwards. Oh. Well, that was what you mentioned about uh, Patrick Vieira going, give me the ball, and he'd go forward. And whereas now it's give me the ball, it goes back to the keeper, keeper get forward, then it goes back to the keeper. Get, oh, you just lose the will to live. Yeah. I was, just... I was, I was watching it. On, I was watching it with French commentary, not not because I'm I'm pretentious, just because that was what it's a was dodgy on. feed. <laughs> and uh, and and the commentators did a, did a very quite a complicated metaphor about party that I didn't quite understand, but I think it was basically saying. Why don't you pass the ball to him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were a couple of moments it was very noticeable where Party would come short and look at the, and expect the ball, yeah. but perhaps he would get it playing for Atletico and not getting it. And I really think that Granite Jacker, you're thinking, Granite, if you're there, you need to get the ball into Sabias and Party. You have to get them purring. We've got to get them going. And we couldn't get them. It was a very, very, very frustrating game to watch. Mm. And we've now lost three. And we're down in mid-table again. Tenth. And uh, oh. it's uh, quite... we couldn't have been fourth tonight. I know. That's the, they they went fourth, didn't they? Yeah, you know, and that's that's cruel. But the way this Premiership's panning out, at least you can say, is everyone's dropping points. No one's yeah. t- taking a grip of it. So, uh, when to Tottenham play Monday? Is it? Uh, it's in the week. So. Oh, it'll be in the week. So that's what scares me because they're the only ones who seem to be scoring goals for fun at the moment. Uh, I mean, Liverpool didn't impress me Saturday. I, I watched that game on match of the day. That didn't... Oh, do, do weren't you impressed though by uh, Salah's goal that was disallowed? Oh, that was. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the greatest bits of skill I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it was. That was like Henri at his best. Wasn't it? I mean, yeah. he kind of caught the ball and flipped it, or bird, like a Bergkamp goal, and flipped it in the air and stuck it in the corner. But well, it it's. Well, it's so sad off. to see these goals disallowed for being a fraction offside. It's just pathetic. I'm, mm. I hate VAR, everything it stands for now. I mean, I, I mean, I was behind it at first. I didn't think it'd get so ridiculous. You know, well, I've started saying, I think, is it in France they're doing it or somewhere uh, um, in the Eurozone? And they, what they're doing is they're giving a, a linesman's call, rather like in the cricket when there's a tight decision on whether the, on an LBW. Yeah. If the linesman has said it's off and it's marginal, you go with what the linesman said. You don't Fair overrule line. the linesman yeah. Yeah. For, okay. for within, you know, a few inches. Yeah. And uh, and that seemed to make more sense. I mean, you really have to have some common sense about it because if it's a player, 
it's the sleeve of his shirt or his arm or something. And you're looking at it from the naked eye, I think that player is level. This is what mm. happened with Liverpool and the Everton game. Like, that player's level. He's level. Yeah. Mm. If he's lead, sometimes, and I've said this on here before, sometimes the attacking player is leaning it's just because his momentum is taking him in a forward direction and the defender maybe trying to play him offside is leaning the other way. And so the attacker's called off. But he's not off. He's actually level. He's timed it right. To, to make the run and get him behind and open up the defence. The other thing that they were saying tonight was uh, it was likely that the Premier League goal rush was going to end. And I feel like we haven't been in it. We haven't been in it. <laughs> We've just totally missed the goal rush. Where's our goal Where's rush? Where's our goal rush? <laughs> we're, 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 not even, uh, we're, we're not even in the gold mine. We're not even in the rush. We're... Everyone's rushed and we're still at the starting line. Sometimes it feel like it's the team forgotten the prince the first principle of football is you've got to get the ball in the other team's net, which means you've got to get it down into their penalty area. Well, is this what goes back to today's game? There was a lack of urgency. I mean, surely after five minutes, some of the players must look at each other and go, Listen, we're playing a bit dull here. This is a bit boring, chaps. Could it run about a bit faster? We had a feeling, I think, in the first half when we were on top that we needed to get one. We needed to get one. It was that lack of that chance, you know. But after that, it was... I mean, we had one shot on target in the second half, I think. Yeah, and that was Hector Bellerin on a volley. Yeah. It's up to your right back to get the shot off. Why is Aubameyang still... Can't we put Aubameyang up top? Let's get him in behind Johnny Evans. Johnny Evans wants to see him out on the wing. Hmm. Yeah. He wants him out there on halfway. Johnny Evans is delighted. He can get up to Lacazette. He can, he's as strong as him. Lacazette isn't very quick. He never beats people for pace. He hasn't got a trick. No. He needs a ball on a plate for him to score. And Ober is dangerous. Mm. Constantly mm. moving in and around and getting in behind. And if you've got clever players slipping balls in, he'll get to one. Mm. But this thing with him on the left, it just feels to me like things aren't quite sitting right in the team, the balance of the side. Mm. I'm not sure that Saka and Tierney both down the left really worked. Well, I don't know where William was tonight. Is he injured? Do we know what happened? Yeah, to I think he's injured. You know, but I mean, my friend, my French, uh, my French friends, they they describe Saka as being a very intelligent player. Which was very, which was very astute of them, and and yeah, he when he 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 is the only one who's got any semblance of like spontaneity or just he he just feels like the only the only one who right now you know without Ozil has has got like that slight sense of unpredictability or whatever you want to call it. You know, he just he'll, he'll improvise. He sort of miss the ball and he'll do something different and. Yeah, it was just it was just painful. Are we being hard on on our team because Leicester have actually really come and done a good job on us, basically? One well, one shot one shot on target in this, in a, in forty five minutes at home is 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 not. It's not good enough. <laughs> that, is you it? can't. That's not no. being unfair. It's never know? feel like Sabias or Party or Shaka seem to be all on the halfway line. Surely one of the bonuses of having the third man in midfield is that one of them can go up, mm. can get up the field. And when we used to have a, a midfield three under Arsene, when we had Coquelin in front of the back four, and then in front he would have Ozil and Cazorla, or Cazorla and Ramsey, or Ramsey and Ozil, two creative players mm. playing. In, it's, and you really didn't ever feel, because he's pulled Xhaka off to one side. Yeah. Party's in the middle. Sabas is kind of on the right midfield, but they couldn't get anything going with Bellerin. 
if, no. if, if Sabias isn't on the ball and making it tick and constantly involved, what's the point of having him there? He had well, a very bad. I day. mean, would it have hurt? I mean, apparently, Arteta. The suggestion is that Ozil does not fit into his plan. But by listening to on the radio of how the game was going, surely Ozil could have come on for 10, 15 minutes, twenty minutes. How, how you know? I, I can't see how he would have upset any plan by him coming on. It's not even in the squad. I know. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. I mean, I just can't understand it. I've read. I've read a lot of things said. I've read all kinds of rumours. I've read a lot of ex-players, but I, I mean, absolutely unfathomable. What what on earth has happened here? Yeah, it makes no sense at all. Yeah, one of the most experienced we're lacking the creative spark. Most experienced player we've got playing every game before the lockdown, being paid a fortune. Yeah, by all accounts, training fine. Mm. Not no rumours of any bust ups or incidents, or... and he's on his way out. You know, this is the his last season, so it's not going to muck up a legacy or hey, get in the hey. way of any other. It's not going to be stifling De Nielsen or whatever crap. You <laughs> exactly, <is. laughs> <laughs> like you know, it's just like roll the dice. You know, yeah, it's it is it is it is unbelievable. It's not it's like he's playing Reese Nelson. It is a real no. real mystery. I cannot fathom it at all. One asset. He could be. Hmm. If you know Arteta's going, oh, I failed, I feel like I failed with him. Pick him. Yeah. How do you know? Mm. How do you know? How can you not take him to Vienna and give him ninety minutes? Or in the cup or in the Carabao Cup. Or the Carabao Cup. Yeah. You know, give him, do that. Just what happened last time. year was Emery didn't want to pick Ozil. And he went and played away at Liverpool in the Carabao Cup when we drew five all. He was the best player on the pitch. And he found his way back into the side. And then when, when Jungberg took over, he wanted to pick him. And Arteta took over and he wanted to pick him. What has gone on? Well, this is, what, this is what we need to know. I mean, either just tell us the truth. I don't want to wait five years later, Arteta writes a book and go, well, he, he's pissed every day. He'd done this. He'd done that. But <laughs> yeah, well, I, I don't for, think he drinks tea. For the <laughs> love of God. <laughs> what could he, every day. <laughs> you know, what could he possibly have done tonight that would have upset any player? Famous Muslim. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, this is I, what I mean. You know, yeah, exactly. No, 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 it's just, I mean, it, yes, is that we, are, we really are, have no idea. No, but, but like a good point is, right, so you could understand why he might might not, not want to play him against Liverpool, like a really big pressing team where, you know, this idea that, oh, he doesn't, you know, he wouldn't fulfil this pressing role, et cetera, et cetera. When you've got literally like 11 men behind the ball and you don't need to press, you know, uh, David, exactly <laughs> I said the other day, David Louis. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think you nearly said David the lesbian. Or one. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, when, when, he, when, you're, when your centre-back is your playmaker... You know, before he went but also, off. Also, what it's about this? For, well, that, why, why is it? Leicester played Europa League Thursday as well, right? Yes. So it's not as if if they hadn't played midweek, you could understand why they've got more legs at the end of the game. We've had the ball for quite a lot of the game, but mm. it seems like that's by their design. What They might come at us. We better be on, that on guard. Don't let any goals in. Our time will come later in the match. But we... By the time that happens, surely we've been pinging it about with such rapidity all night long that they're exhausted. Mm, they well, should have been having to chase us. But we were so slow with our passing. Yeah. It's one of those nights when Granite Jacker just it, it infuriates you. Because when, at least with Sabayos, if you can get Sabayos on the ball, rather like when we used to have Santi Cazorla, things speed up. 
when Sabias gets it, things speed up, things start happening. Mm. And it, it, we were so pedestrian, and then we ran out of ideas, and then we didn't even seem on guard. Really, at, at the moment when they broke in and scored, we thought this is the single most predictable outcome. Mm. Yeah. Surely we must be thinking. They've had the ball. They've been suddenly on the ball a lot. They're probing. They've brought on two forwards. They're going to yeah. try and pinch this. Mm. Let's make sure we get a point. We need to be eleven behind the ball and make sure we get a nil-nil. So we just so absolutely fell for it. What's so frustrating about it is is it's going back to this idea that we've got we've always got a one mistake in us. You know, oh, we've always oh, got. Well, there's always going to be a thing, and it's like, yeah, you know, you bring on you. I mean, he brought Vardy on on like 60, 60 minutes exactly. Yeah, as he, he as he probably you know, planned last Monday when he sat down yeah. for his team so meeting. He's like, right, we'll play an hour. We'll play, you know, just let's let's just defend really deep for for an hour. They'll get bored. They run out of ideas. They've got a mistake in them. We'll bring on our our fast new Turkish winger, and uh, yeah, and some idiot won't run. Mustafi. They seem to be playing Granit Xhaka at left back, so yeah. <laughs> I'll just tell a super fast Turkish winger to go and stand near him. Yeah, <laughs> that might that might bear fruit. Well, but, oh. talk, talking about mistakes, I mean, let's go to the Vienna game. How many mistakes did we try and give? We, there's another game we nearly threw away. I mean, my God. I, mean, oh, I know. Leno was all over the shop. Once again, didn't seem that very urgent. He doesn't want the ball, does he, at his feet? No. We might as well have Petacek back. I don't want to say <laughs> the same things, you know, about pedestrian passing and lack of imagination and we've sold the wrong goalie. But I feel, <laughs> feel like the same things are coming up. And there's, there's it, it seems like the planning is quite sophisticated and the deployment of players and shifting of positions and how to get people up the pit, all of those, all of those things. You can feel the coach's influence and all of that. But the same, as you say, it's the same problems. Too slow in possession, probably going to make a mistake. And which we did. You know, we gave them the goal. I mean, it's just lucky that David Lewis got an equaliser and then, in fact, we bring on a Bamiyang, which is more or less like what Leicester, we bring on a Bamiyang with so many minutes left and then we caught yeah. them cold. That's what Leicester did to us. Yeah, and luckily for us, their goalkeeper made a mistake because yes. he came for a ball that he was never going to get. Yeah, yeah. But ah, oh, it's it was. We've got to get. We've really got to up our game because we're not going to go too far in the Europa League or playing like that. As soon as we get anyone off, good. That's it. Good night, mate. But the, the only positive thing I, I saw today is at least it does look like we were. There was a bit where we did appear to be queuing up to commit the tactical foul, and I think like Bellerin got a booking for it. Mm. But. You know, at least that's not something that we've seen before. So obviously, Arteta has spent some of this some of this time uh, trying to <laughs> yes. uh, learning know, learning one of the main uh, Guardiola yeah. tactics, yeah, which is to be rolling that out really dirty. But two, yeah, two or two, I think two of them tried to foul him before Bellerin did, which I was probably the highlight of the night for me. And if you're if you're if you're curing the tactical fouls, you know there's a there's a, a certain absence of anything else to get excited about. It's very true. Um, now, lads, I've had one or two emails. Um, people have taken to emailing me about Teddy Sheringham, which I was I've quite enjoying. <laughs> Please. <laughs> we, despite continually asking on this podcast for stories of the appalling behaviour of Bob Wilson, <laughs> we're getting nothing. There's still nothing. No, Bob Wilson's no still in, uh, in, I don't know how many years now on this earth, but um, it's nothing. He's now, Sheringham, I'm getting two or three a week. 
<laughs> what a surprise. <laughs> this one is from Darius Alavi Ellis. Uh, it's 1998, NatWest Bank on Chinkford High Street. I was queuing up to pay in some birthday money. I was 13 at the time. Uh, the, the cashier was a beautiful woman in her 20s. As, as I was queuing up, just as I stepped forwards, the doors bang open and in bowls Sheringham, tanned <laughs> like an Oompa Loompa. <laughs> he looks me in the eye and walks straight over to my cashier. <laughs> <laughs> Fueled by righteous indignation, I loudly squeak, excuse me, there's a queue. Sheringham looks me in the eye and goes to the back of the queue. Void by my success, I turn around and call Sheringham a twat. Brave man. And then run out the door. Uh, I was quite fat and very bookish. This was easily the gobbiest thing I'd ever done. Uh, It's testament to the elite level wanker that Sheringham is. Oh, and then he says he went to my school. Which is, uh, so nice work, Darius. Maybe we've, we need to lower the bar on the Bob Wilson thing. Maybe have you ever? If seen anyone's Bob ever Wilson? seen Bob Wilson, roll it, roll his eyes, maybe toot. I go, oh, yeah. God, dear me, that, you know, it's that kind of outrageous behaviour. <laughs> Yeah, well, maybe he's at, he's spilt a bit of his tea into the saucer uh, or something, you know. Yeah. I've gone, oh, God, oh, damn it. Ah, oh. <laughs> tea into um, So on. now. What's the other here's, one? Here's one? Well, this one is from Tom Rowlett. Uh, uh, in the last pod, Alan asked for more stories about footballing shitbags. So here's mine. <laughs> In 2001, I was heading to my nan's on the tube, changing to the, onto the Piccadilly line at King's Cross. I noticed a small man walking down the platform. I realised it was Dennis Wise. Now, like most fans, I'd never liked Dennis Wise, but I was especially incensed for the part he had played in getting Patrick Vieira sent off in a 4-0 win over Leicester. I have absolutely no memory of that at all. I don't remember Dennis Wise even playing for Leicester. I don't don't remember that. that. We will have to look that up. Perhaps I should have looked it up before I read this one. Yeah, that probably Uh, To show my distaste, I held my hands up and loudly sang the Vieira song as he walked past me. I continued to sing this as he walked down the platform. There's probably some bloke going. Dennis Wise then did a wanker gesture. And I shouted back and said, come on then, you midget. And he turned around to square up to me. But I can only assume he thought better of having a punch-up with a schoolboy in front of loads of witnesses. Uh, He walked off the platform. I got some strange looks, but an older chap on the platform said, well done, son, up the gunners. So there you are. Um, uh, That's Tom. It's it's a lovely story. It's a touching and moving story. But it sounds like you might have been a bit of a twat. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, I just just I, just looking this up, it, on, and not entirely uh, unsurprisingly, Dennis Wise was sacked by Leicester as a result of an alleged assault on teammate Callum Davidson during the club's pre-season. Who was on the tube? Yes. Pla- yes, you're right. This was in this was in Finland. 
Was it the cigar? Was it the cigar? Was, was that somebody else? No, that was Joey Barton. Oh, that cigar out in someone's yeah, eye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, so you can tell, yeah, listener, yeah. we like all these stories of reprehensible yes. footballer behaviour, so do come up with them. Uh, now, would you like to play... Um, would you like to play Spot the Commentary? Yes. Now, I was listening to the last pod, and before I could just, before even the commentator, I was waving, going, I know this one, I know this one, just as it started. So this week, I probably won't have a clue. Well, I've just you're not, got you're not, to... you're not up against, yeah, not stiff competition with me either, Keith, to be fair. So no. this is, uh, uh, it's not about the scorer so much in this, because inspired by uh, my conversation with, uh, with Arsene Wenger, I've pulled out three goals by Cesc Fabregas. So if you can, we want the opponent and if possible, the season. So here we go. Here's the first one. Now Cesc Fabregas. Ambitious effort, it's in! I'm going AC Milan. AC Milan is the right answer. Very good. AC Milan is the right answer. 2008. 2008. Yeah. That got us through to a a quarter final at Liverpool, which was a terrible, terrible day. But yes, that was one of the great Arsenal performances. The first time that AC Milan had lost at home. Yes. To a English team. So that's good. Okay, now here's another one. This is more tricky. See if you can remember this game. Clichy. Through the club. Can he pull it back? He's found Fabregas. It's deflected in. Arsenal have the lead. Any clues? Oh, oh that's a tough one. Give us a clue. Give us a clue, Alan. Give you a clue. It's a game where uh, I think it was Tyre's first away game. I can't remember, Keith, if you came. Bolton. Bolton. I was there. Bolton. Bolton Bolton. away. Uh, Again, it was in 2008. Uh, We went up to uh, Bolton and had a man sent off. Losing 2-0. And and we're losing 2-0. And it had been quite a long drive up. Yeah. I had a golf at the time <laughs> <laughs> and uh, drove like the clappers and we got home quite quite a good time. So yeah, I remember it. Did, but yeah, yeah. Uh, Fabregas there with the winning goal, 3-2 with 10 men. And the last one finally is one of my favourites, this one. Have a go at this. For the goalkeeper. And this time the supporters that got behind the goal could stay up. And they're through again. It's Fabregas! And that was fun. <laughs> God. <laughs> it's when we beat Tottenham and we Fabregas scored directly from the kickoff after we'd scored an equaliser, I believe. We'd just gone one nil up. up. That's right. And uh We were still celebrating. And yeah. then Fabregas just runs and gets a second. We were still standing up from the first. He got <laughs> he got the ball on the halfway yeah, line um, from their kickoff. Harry Redknapp was manager. Yeah. Knocked it past the cut. Well, I think it was twenty ten or twenty eleven yeah. season. And uh, so there we are, three absolutely. The, they were showing the replay of the 
of the Van Persie girl. Oh, that's uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, well. <laughs> oh, that was a lovely girl. Someone said on there that it was 2009-10. I haven't even checked. But I just, when I found these two Fabregas ones, I thought, oh, I am definitely uh, pulling out that Tottenham one. Now, now that was interesting, the interview, um, because he was. you mentioned about why didn't we buy an Elka? And he, he had a policy of saying, listen, once you've left the Arsenal, that's it. Now, that's good if you're Barcelona and Madrid. That seems to be the only two clubs in the world that that system works. But, you know, Anilka had been round the block a few times. He was at Bolton now. It you could like... tell that he sort of regretted it, couldn't you? Oh, I... very much so. Yeah. 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 And, you he know, knew. some players, the one that always baffled me was Flamini left on a, on a Bosman. But he brought Flamini back. Yes, you're right, yeah. Yeah. uh, One or two came back when they were at the end and, uh, you know, Lehman played a game, came back, then he sold Campbell, played a few, Henri played a few. Mm. Yeah. But uh, the Anelka in 2008 was really baffling because then, as as you well know, in a couple of seasons after that was when we brought in uh, Nicholas Bentner, didn't live up to his promise. Shemak was a disaster. Mm -hmm, Jovino didn't do enough. We ended up getting Podolski. <laughs> and so many strikers, and you thought we could have had that one. Plus, yeah. of course, what he didn't know had he known, and I think had Eduardo's injury happened mm. yeah, yeah. at a different time, perhaps he would have done it. But should have done it. But there you wasn't go. Wasn't it interesting how you, the detail with which he can Arsene could remember those painful defeats? That when I was asking yeah. him like, what on earth happened on Boxing Day. 2015, when we lost 4 0 at Southampton, mm. when we were really should have yeah. been kicking on and going for the title. And he said, Mane. Yeah. Mane mm. killed us. Mm. And we, I said, he should have, he'd have been a good signing. And he said, we should have signed him when he was at Mets. <laughs> and we should have signed, he came and he played in the London Olympics for Senegal. So that's how, you know. You can't underestimate how how much Wenger knows about everything that's going on in the world of football. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah. But the the thing that kills you then is why didn't we sign him from well, that? This would be an interesting. Is it because the people behind the scenes didn't free up the money, or you know? Because when he says we should have signed him, that sounds like a man who's going, "I want that player." That's what that sounds like to me. That's not like Banker going, well, we should have, yeah. maybe we should have signed him. It sounds like a man who's gone, we should have signed him. I said buy him. And the club have gone, oh, sorry, I'll Yeah, because, of course, the other thing that happened was, was Adibayor pissed off to Man City, didn't he? So having, mm. we brought him over and turned him into a top player who came in from the French League. So, yeah. Well, mm. uh, even as I was talking to him, I was thinking, I can't push these things. It's like the look on his face. The pain is painful for me. It's still painful. Yeah. It's painful. It's painful. Hell. Yeah. We could have won the league in 2016, couldn't we? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> does, it, does it hurt to remember it? Yes. Yes. Thanks very much. Should we talk about something else? Mm, yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Maybe do you think there'll be a second book that will that will that will show where all the bodies are buried metaphorically? Oh, that's a good call, Ollie. That's a... I really don't. I would oh. like. I know uh, before I wrote my um, memoir that I published recently, I did a two-year course part-time, as an MA course in creative writing at Goldsmiths. I mention it now because I highly recommend. Uh, any uh, opportunity you have to do any kind of course. It was so great being a student again. 
I don't think I'd have got to where I got to without doing that. If he had done that course with me, if we'd sat down, <laughs> if he'd been in those workshops... In the student union. Someone yes. would have said to him at some point, write the things that make you cry, write the thing that hurts. <laughs> we had a one workshop where a writer came in and she said to us, you need to go towards the loss. Go towards the loss. She didn't specify what the loss mm. is because everybody in their life knows what the loss is for them. And that's mm. where you'll find something that will make for something really memorable. Maybe it's really difficult to mm. write. If it's difficult to write, that's good. It doesn't have to be a particular manager that you may have hated more than anything else mm. in life. But what is it? What it the pain, the hurt, what is, can you just, can you describe the feeling? What was it? And he just couldn't, it obviously just couldn't go there at all. He yeah. can't go, he couldn't go there at all. It, it feels the, mm. I can see it in his eyes in the mm. Zoom call. He feels the pain of those defeats so intensely still that it just doesn't want to do it, doesn't mm. want to sit there and write it down. Talks about mm. the wins and then talks in a very positive way a lot in the book, and this is perhaps it's where it's most interesting. I think the early stuff in his life that I didn't know about in France is interesting. Of course, yes. I know everything about the Arsenal stuff. But his coaching philosophy, yeah, the coaching philosophy is in the book, and that is a is a good reason to buy to to hear the way about how you know how to teach people, how yeah. to help people, how to improve people. Maybe there's going to be deleted scenes or deleted chapters <laughs> that are going to come out one day, you know. Maybe, you know, volume director's two, cut. director's cut of, yeah. And this is how I felt about Barcelona. This is how I felt about Galatasaray, you know. It's just... Yeah, but uh, he's uh, exactly that. Shut up about the zip! <laughs> yes. Yes, yeah. But listen, yeah. he did go out on a Chapter high. nine, my coat. Yeah. He did go out on a high, three FA Cup wins. He did, he did, and he didn't want to go out at all, did he? He found it very, very, very difficult to give it up. I mean, he he really couldn't face it. He looks healthy again now. I've seen him in interviews. He looks fantastic, and I think he's he's done his time. And now it's like, kick back and enjoy yourself, mate. Look at you, you know. You can look in the mirror And what do we think about uh, Mikel Arteta, his chances of... how, How can he... I think, do we think we're going to have to hunt down a, a live wire striker? To Where's the weakness that's made it such a lacklustre game today? Yeah, that's a good call because I've been thinking that. Uh, well, all through the game. Do you think game, if we had Vardy, we'd have won? If we could have had Vardy, we'd have won? Was it as simple as that? We'd need someone more deadly than Lacazette. I love Lacazette. Great work, work ethic, but... Well, when he goes off the boil, he's up really off the boil, and you know he's never going to be a threat. And other than Abamyang, we've got nobody else. Maybe if Martinelli comes back, that could shake things up a little bit. You know, yeah. he was looking good last year, and he uh, was. if this kid comes back and hits right, the yeah. ground running, yeah. who knows? But we do yeah. need something. We need someone in there. Maybe when Party starts getting his feet under the table, he's meant to be a bit of a leader, isn't he? Maybe he, he'll start shaking a few people around, you know. But, yeah, let's hope so. But, well, um, the next game we I thought ha- I thought Willian. I thought... Yeah, we thought Willian was going to... Yeah, well, we, we did. We keep sniffing around the bins. <laughs> <laughs> the next game we have is Dundalk on Thursday in the Europa <laughs> League. I wish we could go at the Emirates for oh. Dundalk. 
Can you imagine it? Can you imagine the pubs on the Holloway Road? Uh, can you imagine it? But well, tragically not. And then on Sunday, next Sunday, Manchester United away. Uh, well, that's are, a must win, isn't it? Oh, well, they're worse than us. They're right down the table. So. Yeah, but they've had, um, well, they say that, though, that they've had a couple of good wins on the spin, so their confidence is now high. So we've got to get a, a minimum as a draw there, not another defeat. Because no, we can't have another defeat. Either. We've got to have a get get a result. But Dundalk, oh, wouldn't it have been great to go to Ireland for an away match? Yes, and, it would. And Vienna, and oh. I would love to go to Ireland. I love going to Ireland. I'm I, absolutely gutted about that. Yeah, we've never played an Irish team, have we? I can't remember ever playing an Irish oh, team. Oh, probably in the Fairs Cup in 1969 or something. Yeah, maybe. That's about as far as I know. But it would have been brilliant. Well, gentlemen, yeah. uh, we shall reconvene. Uh, thank you very much. And good night.